In marriage, we're called to serve each other. And what does that mean in the bedroom? Well, I'm John Fuller, along with Greg Smalley and his wife, Erin. They lead the Focus on the Family Marriage team. And we're going to revisit a conversation that Focus President Jim Daly had with Dr. Julie Slattery. Now, in previous conversations, they shared about what Julie calls the four pillars of covenant love. And the first two were faithfulness and intimate knowing. Let's keep going. Let's move to the third one, sacrificial love. Um, I, I'm not sure if this connects, but one of the things that you and I have talked about in the past, uh, Gary Thomas, we've talked to him about it. But you look, and generally couples tend to, not always, and uh, believe me, I hear from the folks that it doesn't fit, but the 80-20 rule is we tend to marry people who are opposite us in many ways, extroverts, mm-hmm. marry introverts. And I think in part, it's a beautiful scriptural truth that you know we're looking for the complement of our, where we're not strong, right? Mm-hmm. So we're drawn, we're attracted to those people that are different from us, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful thing in how God creates that magnetism. But those can be the things that really drive us crazy over the long haul in marriage. How does that apply in our sexual differences? You know, so if that's true of the milk chocolate and the dark chocolate couple, mm-hmm. uh, how does that work in our sexuality? Well, it's the reality that most of us are going to marry somebody with whom we're sexually incompatible. And well, that's encouraging. Yeah, <laughs> and I tell I tell Christian singles that because they'll ask me, you know, why shouldn't we sleep together before we get married? Don't we want to know if we're compatible? And I'm like, hey, let me just ruin it for you. You will be incompatible. Yeah, you like, don't need to test. Yes, it. like that's even if point. even when you're dating, if you think you're compatible, you get married, and you married a very different person with a different approach to sexuality, with different hormones, with different body parts. Uh, And so there's a natural incompatibility built into marriage. When my husband and I were wrestling with some of this incompatibility in my marriage, there was a season where I was really frustrated. and, And I would say, I wanted to ask God, like, why would you give us this gift and then keep us from enjoying it because we're so incompatible? Uh, But he began to show me that actually some of that incompatibility is part of the gift, Mm. that that's part of the blessing. Like were Adam and Eve incompatible before the fall? You know, could it be that Adam was like, hey, let's yada, and Eve said... I want to go for a walk and talk first. (laughs) Probably. I could almost guarantee that. Yes. So if if that was before sin, then that must be part of God's good design. Mm -hmm. And it is part of God's good design because it means you can't be sexually fulfilled unless you learn to be unselfish. God wants us to love like he loves. And that means love has to cost us something. Hmm. And I think the average Christian comes into marriage expecting that God is going to give me in my spouse all of my needs met. And they get angry, frustrated, disappointed when sexual love actually begins to cost them something. You know, in this area, Julie, again, I'm going to be kind of stereotypical, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but oftentimes a woman can build up a lot of angst here because it becomes duty, mm-hmm. you know, my Christian duty. I don't enjoy it or whatever the issue is, or, you know, he wants it too frequently. And so I just do my dutiful thing. 
Mm -hmm. I'm putting the emphasis in there on purpose because I think it connects with women's hearts. That that is inside how some feel, you know, Mm -hmm. just what I've got to do. But speak to that sacrificial love again to make sure we cover it correctly. Mm -hmm. I think you and Mike even had some experience there. I think you had three young boys. Mm -hmm. You weren't feeling exactly... Uh, in the mood, right? And you had to grapple with this, and mm-hmm. I think it's a great illustration for a lot of sure. uh, wives about what to do. Part of the reason that we think that way is because we've been taught that way. Mm. I, I've been in many s- sermons and conferences where the message is: women, you have the duty to fulfill your husband's sexual needs, and there's a veiled threat there that if you don't. He's more likely to cheat on you or to look at pornography. And this comes out of a misapplication and a misunderstanding of something that Paul wrote in the letter of 1 Corinthians. And I think it's really key that we grapple with what does this passage in 1 Corinthians 7 actually mean in the context of the whole story and picture of what God designed marital sexuality to be. So when there's this idea of a duty, and and I hate that word because it's been so misunderstood. What God is really calling us to is he's saying, in marriage, you have an obligation to minister to each other sexually. Now, that's a very big difference. So let's Hmm. say if we're going with the stereotype, which isn't always the case, that the husband has a higher sexual desire Well, not only is his wife called to be a a form of ministry to him, to walk with him in that journey, but he's first, if we read 1 Corinthians 7, called to minister to her sexually. Now, her sexual needs might not mean, I want to have sex three or four times a week. Could be emotional. It could be, (laughs) I need you to minister to my woundedness, or I need you to make me feel so safe that I can discover who I am as a sexual person. I need you to not put pressure on me. And so when the husband and wife are both embracing that God is calling me to minister to my spouse in this very sacred area, Hmm. they begin to have very different expectations and communication. But the way it's been applied has been one-sided, and it's only focused on the activity of sex, not the deeper aspect of ministering and intimacy. Aaron, what Julie shared is so critical for couples to understand. And I wonder, as you've worked with so many couples, um, what that sacrificial love looks like um, with sexuality. Yeah, first and foremost, within the sexual relationship, it's looking at both spouses have to matter. But that doesn't mean that we cannot sacrifice for each other because sacrifice is a gift that we give, but we have to have something to give. We have to um, have an open heart. It's not a duty or an obligation. It's a gift. And so really looking at how do we create a space within our sexual intimacy that is both matter, but gosh, I have an opportunity to serve, to love, to sacrifice. And John, I really love how Julie said that God is calling us to minister to each other sexually. You don't normally hear that. No, those, that's a phrase that is not common in yeah, the Christian community. And I really like it because the, the word minister, it means to care for, to serve, to attend to the needs 
of, of someone. So in this case, our spouse, and I really like that thinking, how, how am I caring for, how am I serving? How am I taking the time to attend to Aaron's sexual need, which sets up then the only way to do that well is to make that a conversation, a regular discussion between the two of us. Because mm-hmm. that's what we often see with couples is that sex is something they're just not talking about. Yeah, they, so do, you, they do sex, but they don't talk about right, sex. Right, right. And so if you maintain that curiosity that I, I want to keep ministering, which means I've got to find out what is it that's important to her, but but also to me. Because I like, Aaron, what you were talking about. There, there, there has to be that balance. Both people need to mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. Pleasure needs to matter to both of us. It needs to matter to me and to you. In other words, my own pleasure matters to me and, and your pleasure matters to me. That creates that foundation of a, of a good sexual relationship within marriage. It calls to mind uh, something that you said uh, some time ago, and that is look for the win. Yeah. in the mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. And so both uh, spouses need to feel like that was wonderful. That was a win. And uh, I know this is a touchy subject, and this might be something you don't talk about. Let me encourage you to start talking about it with your spouse. A couple of things. Uh, we have a recently updated marriage assessment, and it addresses physical intimacy. Now, you might take this with your spouse, and then you've got some talking points, and uh, that might be an easy way to get into Uh, the conversation. Another way would be to get a copy of Dr. Julie Slattery's book, God, Sex, and Your Marriage, and read through that together. Uh, We're making that available for a gift of any amount uh, to this ministry today. So uh, donate and request the book. We've got details in the show notes. Well, uh, next time you're going to hear more from Julie Slattery. And for now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron Smalley and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.